Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Inside the tour. If you're on the Saturday team, you drank until Thursday. If you're the Wednesday team, you drank until Monday. If you're on the bench, you didn't have a Scooby what to do. To me, that's what summed up the 97 Lions. You went to work and you went to play. An Audi original, available now. Hi there, I'm Brian Abana and you're listening to the Mall Over Codpost. Hello, good evening and welcome to this week's Mall Over podcast. The only rugby podcast that gives you the news, views and opinion on the weekend rugby action or with a West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter. We are at Mall Over Podcast. We are Mall Over Rugby Podcast on Facebook, although we barely ever post there. And you can find all of our podcasts, which have had a significant bump since uh, since the start of the Lions, um, on Anchor and on Apple Podcasts and on the Google Store and on lots of other good and mediocre podcatchers. Um, I am joined this evening by uh, everyone's favourite farm vet and the uh, the housewife's favourite, uh, Phil Elkins, newly into the 40 club. I am now the only member that is not in the 40 club. How does it feel, Phil? feels fantastic. Um, it feels it feels great to be so, uh, so, so highly considered by your fellow podcasters that they buy you a, buy you a cracking lion shirt. Lovely so, shirt. Do you, enjoy, much, do you enjoy enjoy your shirt for your birthday? I did. I enjoyed it very much. Um, yeah. No. It's. Uh, it's. Yeah. I'm very grateful. Thank you very Some, much. Something guys. a little bit different. Yeah. Shame you weren't forty next week. We could have got it at half price. That's that's true. Um. And well, you know what Russ is getting for his. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. A year old Lions jersey. Cool. Um, and you've also heard there the nicest man in Cornish rugby podcasting, who is also a member of the Forty Club since the start of the Lions tour. Was it the f- no? Since the end of the Premiership season, was it just before the yeah. Lions? So, uh, and you also received the lovely Lions shirt for your fortieth birthday in red, whereas yeah. Phil got the 
Um, was it the alternate jersey? Or I don't even know what that jersey was, that one we got, Phil. Like no, a training one, wasn't it? I don't know, but I think it's... I, I quite like it. It's it's super jazzy. It is. And, and I'm a big it's, fan of super jazzy. It's a snazzy lion's jersey. <laughs> Castrol on the back. Um, and also, we will be joined, or we have been joined, or by the lensman, um, who hopefully has got some exciting news for us. Um, but his computer's crashed, so we're just waiting for him to come back. So while we wait for the lensman to appear in the background, Ben, what have you made of this Lions tour in general? What's your your overarching, um, you know, synopsis or thoughts of of how you felt during this tour? Uh, really uninspired by it. Um, you know, the Lions have gone out there; they've paid. Three or four pub teams, one one of them twice because the others got COVID. Then there was a really good game against South Africa A, which I think everyone enjoyed. Um, and then the tests just completely overshadowed by sniping between the management teams, sniping between the fans. Um, you know, rugby slowly now turning into a sort of admin battle rather than anything to do with rugby. You know, South Africa. They, you know, they're trying the third test. No one ever looked at the try. It was just, was that a knock-on or not? That was all that was replayed. Um, yeah, Dissect, think, dissecting it rather than enjoying it. Yeah, and I think, I think the sort of, the sort of slight madness of Razzie's video is kind of a lo- logical extension to what's been going on since, it seems to me, since the last Lions tour where people have got more and more invested in making videos to prove why their team should have won or the other team should have lost. And, and, you know, that was almost like the, the, the sort of Hollywood version of it, wasn't it? Of, of, of the people that do that and, you know, they look for foul play and whatever you think of the red cards and yellow cards, that the fact that they're now more prominent means that there's more incidents to look at and more things to complain about. And um, I think if you compared it to, say, the sevens in the Olympics, which was just a more enjoyable atmosphere around it. I know, I know the Lions is, is, is close to the peak of, of 15s, but it, it wasn't a lot of fun. And it no. should be. Really, really placid, wasn't it? As far as like the rugby was intense, the test matches were intense, but everything else was just a little bit vanilla let's say. Phil, yeah. what do you think? Yeah, so I, I try to avoid a lot of the peripheral noise that happens and obviously you see a bit of it on Twitter and you can't really avoid it, but the whole um, circus around Razzie, I, I couldn't care less to be honest, we, we all said when Gatlin got appointed that you can't go to South Africa and play Gatlin ball and beat them because they're the best in the world at that. And that's just the, the overarching thing for me is when it came to the test matches in the, in the warm up matches, he played all kinds of combinations, playing all kinds of different styles of rugby. And when it came to the test matches, they went to 10 man half the time, nine man rugby and tried to beat South Africa at what South Africa do really well. England tried that in the World Cup final, got their asses handed them to them. The Lions, to be fair to them, got pretty close. But 
I mean, South Africa were the best, better team because we we took these wonderful, amazing ball playing um, players and then didn't give them any t- any any time in the tests. Um, but Finn Russell comes on because he has to. Uh, you got Hamish Watson who played about ten minutes, who would have brought something different. Daly gets dropped after the first test because he didn't see the ball because it never got out that far. Like it just. Like when you when you look at um, Saracens who are very good at playing that kind of throttling style of rugby, they're also very good at identifying when when it's on and using it out wide. And the Lions just seem to stick to this. We're going to try and do what you do better than you. Um, and it just I don't know. But you you can kind of understand it because it was such a short tour with only one competitive game before the test. So, you know, the original squad had, like, the like, likes of Sam Simmons and Tipperich and, and even Falatau, who would have perhaps played a slightly wider game. But it was almost like they went back to basics. And was that always the plan, or was that because they never had a, a real hit out to, to prepare anything? And that's the key, isn't it? Like how how for how many tours? Like it, it's it seems that every tour those midweek games get less and less um, relevant. Relevant. Mm. You know, you look back to '97, and this there's been a lot of com- comparisons for this tour in '97, just because it's it's in South Africa, not because of of anything else. But you look at like those midweek matches in '97; they were there were teams going out to hurt the Lions. You see what happened to Doddy Weir. Mm. You saw what happened to Will Greenwood. Like they were, they were, they were genuinely going out to literally knock the stuffing out of them. And now, you, like you say, they're playing pub teams. They beat the Sharks seventy four. Was it seventy four thirty one? If you think about even the tour after the ninety seven tour, when they went to Australia, they played all the Super Rugby teams. Yeah, they they played one you know, invitation fixture at the start of the tour. And then they were playing really good sides. And, you know, that isn't going to happen next time they go over there unless they but go to that, Fiji or play France is, before they go or something. Is that not a comment more about the state of South African rugby than it is the Lions, the Lions tour or this Lions tour in that they just aren't, they, they aren't the force in club rugby that they once were? I mean, if if you're going to look at it that way, that that's that's very very true. Like South African club rugby and provincial rugby is nowhere near the level that it used to be. But like, what's the point in playing those midweek matches and having a squad of thirty odd? Or you know, if they if they're going to be absolute shithouse fixtures, why not just fly over there five weeks before play play an international match against? France or Fiji or you know Japan or whoever is on the way out, you go out there and you play four test matches back to back because essentially that's what they did, isn't it? And you have a squad of, let's say you have a squad of 28, 29, and then you just go, right, okay, well, you know, we've got 23 match day squad, you're gonna have six or seven traveling reserves, and you just like do it like that. Yeah, or I would have loved to have. Well, like when um when that game got cancelled, I'd have loved for them to have said, "We're just going to play forty minutes, Lions A team against Lions Z team. Just pick two teams, televise yeah. it, yeah. televise the training match just for like, half. Like, we're not, like we're not going to like, ask 
or two 25 minute halves or something. Um, but yeah, it, it just seemed to me that I, I think Gatland always had it in his head that he was going to go for that upfront rugby. Um, and that's why you saw a lot of the, the, the kind of people who didn't get test minutes playing a lot of time in those warm up games to almost make them feel part of the, the squad, as it were. But uh, I think he was protecting what he, he pretty much knew was the bulk of the team that he was going to play um, because he was going to play that that kind of solid style of rugby. Um, and, yeah, to me, that's probably the worst tactical decision you can make against South Africa. I'd, I'd rather... Look, I've, I've made it fairly clear I'm not Finn Russell's biggest fan. Uh, I think he can do some magic things. Equally, I think he's... He can be a liability at times, but I would have preferred to have seen Finn Russell, um, Henshaw, Daly there as a 10, 12, 13. Um, and, and actually, yeah, let's chuck the ball wide, have a bit of fun, um, challenge them with something a bit different. I, I saw somebody today saying that they had uh, Lucanio Am as their, as their player of the series. Did he get the ball? The only, the only thing, literally, the only uh, sort of, he scored that the try in the second test, didn't he? Which probably wasn't, you could argue around the ground. In I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go down that route. It it was given as a try, so that it was a try, as far as I'm concerned. Um, But like between him and Harris, they carried for about three meters during that test, and you know, yes, Am is a proper player. Like the South Africa, let's make no no bones about it. South Africa are a proper team. When you go through their their team and even their squad, they are a proper team and they are unbelievable at what they do. And they are unbelievable to play against in the in the way that they play. But the Lions trying to play them at that very game were always going to come unstuck. It's it would be like it would be like um going into the premiership final and in that extra dressing room and them going, you know what guys, we're gonna change our game plan. We're gonna play the same way Harlequins do and ship the ball around and I don't wanna see any any plays that are less than five passes, get it as wide as soon as possible. And it would be an absolute disaster. You you can't take on the people that are the best at what they do in the same game. You've got to do something different. I don't think, um, you know, even you know, anyone's suggesting go out and play like Bristol or Harlequins, but just, you know, there was a couple of um, passages of play in the in the third test where the Lions just played quickly. And yeah. they, when they got yeah. football, Russell was really pulling the strings like a fly half should. A lot of inside passes. He was just, just put running the show, you know, that, with... Um, long passes, short passes, and the the forwards managed to offload to themselves, and they looked really dangerous. It was just playing with a bit of variety and a bit of pace, and I think that's what they needed to do earlier. You know, but and that, I think... Go on, Phil. Sorry, Ben, I was going to say, that all came off the back of, of a Finn Russell classic kick pass to the out to the wing. And what that's done is that's made that's kept the South African defence honest, because for the whatever it would be, 220 minutes up until that point or 200 odd minutes of rugby, everything was within a 10 metre channel or a box kick. And if you get that for that long, you know what's coming. All of a sudden you've got that crossfield kick 
and the South African defence are having to start thinking about what they're doing, drifting wide to be aware of that that outside space a bit more, which creates the holes for the for the forwards to take advantage of. It's it's just that one dimensional game. Like it's so easy to defend against, and if you're not a hundred percent, we we went through this all last autumn with the autumn internet. The Lions played exactly the way that England played in last autumn for me, which was that two phase kick, two phase kick, and it was so easy to defend against because they had absolutely zero wide threat for basically two and a half tests. So if you've got no wide threat and you aren't going to, and you aren't going to pass the ball, then your wingers can blit, your wingers can blitz up around the outside because they know you're not going to pass it. They just know. So what, so it doesn't even matter. I think they made the right call in the, in the third test. I mean, I'm not, I think he's a good player, but I'm not his, his greatest fan. I think there's better centres around. But I think playing Aki was a good move because at least gave a focal point and a bit of go-forward ball. And he, and he, him and Henshaw, I thought, actually had really good games. Um, Mate, Henshaw, Henshaw has, has probably been one of the Lions players of, of the yeah. series. And, and, and they just seem to have more of a sort of attacking shape. Of, you know, the centres were a little bit lightweight in the first two games, I think. And that just gave them a bit more... Sort of go forward and then. But the thing is, mate, they couldn't be they couldn't be lightweight because they didn't get any ball to go forward. So, like Daly in the first test, Harris in the second test, neither the ball never got outside of, yeah, of but, Henshaw, but, and that's not Henshaw's fault because it didn't what, get outside of fucking. What's the bigger. easiest way to make a bit of ground if you, if you don't have a lot of ball? It's to have a big guy running in a straight line, isn't it? And and they didn't really have that option, so they they were losing a lot of ground on you know passes going backwards. They were trying to be clever a little bit, yeah. Um, and they tried it if you know the few times that they did. I think, you know, Laws played particularly well in the first test, but I think once the South Africans started using the same trick of having another big second row in the back row, they might have been better off with another quicker back row, move them around a little bit. Um, You know, Laws was, you know, same as Henshaw, probably one of our best players, but whether that entirely worked after the first test, I don't know. I mean... Sorry, Doug. Doug's here. Welcome back. Hello. Fucking Apple, man. <laughs> Fucking. Computer. I mean, it, it's like computer. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. I'm trying to remember the name of the illness that robs you of your memory, and I can't remember it. <laughs> computer Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. Amnesia. Alzheimer's. Computer Alzheimer's. An Apple product gets more than three years old. It just fucking throws a wobbler, starts pissing itself, and saying, hello, Hilda. Thinking you're his dead wife. Um, are we sure Gatlin's good though? No, I could because I, you know, from what I've seen, he's essentially gone on three Lions tours with three philosophies that are identical against three oppositions that required a little bit of lateral thinking and has come out with the same opinion on each. We'll just try and beat them physically. I'm not sure that. I think it might come out in the wash that there was a little bit of conflict between Townsend and Gatland. And Gatland. Because I can't imagine that Townsend was happy with that being the attacking identity of a team he was coaching because it's counter to everything he does. It's a good point. I don't I don't think I love Dan Bigger. 
Dan, and, and the point was made in commentary, actually. Was it commentary? It might have been the egg chasers that Dan Bigger plays rugby for Northampton. That that bloke can play fast and loose. Now, I'm not suggesting that we needed to play fast and loose, but I think it took... We didn't get the ball outside 12 until literally the second Finn Russell came on. And then it was a different game. And I just... It'll always be a what if, but what if? Now, there are clear issues with Finn Russell. Now, where, where the decisions to kick for corners were coming from, whether that was Russell or whether that was a complete sea change in that strategy. Um, I just think, I don't want to put place blame because I don't think that's what Lions Tour should be about, but I will always look at this as the what if tour. What if we'd have just chanced it a little bit more? Because I think they were there for the taking if we'd have moved them around and been a bit more aggressive. Uh, I I like Dan Bigger as well. And I think Dan Bigger was the right fly half for the Lions. I just think he, he was doing... It's exactly the same as the conversations about Owen Farrell. You see Owen Farrell playing for the Saracens the Saracens um, and he's a different player to the one he is for the England Um, and I just think it's it's that really controlled stayed game plan that doesn't work in international rugby unless you are twice the size of your opposition which we weren't go Doug I, I think it comes down to when you only are, when you're only going to be judged on nine games as Gatlin Willis Lions coach, it's better to be pragmatic and narrowly lose than chance your arm and get pumped, because you'll be remembered like Clive Woodward. You won't be remembered for winning in Australia and drawing New Zealand. You'll be remembered for those three games you went to South Africa, flung it around, and got pumped by thirty points. And I think it's the same in all international coaching. Townsend being the exception you look across the world international rugby is very pragmatic and very very staid just because I think that the the risks for the coaches are so great they're not willing to actually try anything they're just they just want to Where, where's the risk for Gatland? do the easy Sorry. thing which is where's the risk know, for Gatland I don't understand the risk like, for Gatland? I don't I don't think Gatland, Gatland... For, mate they're, yeah they're, they're once every four years and and the the backlash to going over there He's got a reputation to protect. He's been a good coach. He's, he's been successful with a small nation. I mean, he's been cack since he left Wales. Abject, in fact. What does he, you know, didn't win a game for the whatever Chiefs generic franchise he was managing in, in New Zealand. Drawn, uh, Lost two tests with the Lions. So he's won one game in, what, three years of any consequence? Because but you I, can't count these midweek games as being actual midweek games. They're, they're basically playing pub teams. Yeah, well said. Ben, um, you wanted to, sorry, Ben, you wanted to jump in on the on back of Phil's point as well. Well, just, just you know, same as you guys. I'm a big fan of Bigger. I, he never quite looked fit to me. He was, he was very strapped up. He didn't seem to be catching his kicks quite right. I just thought he was always just looking at, like he was struggling a little bit. Um but he's the kind of player that's going to keep going, you know, even if he does have a knock. But he was heavily strapped from the start, wasn't he? And, you know, it's not the best place. You're going to be making a lot of tackles at 10 in South Africa. Um, 
you know, I mean, Russell had a knock as well, didn't he? So was he even available for the first test? I'm not sure that he was. Um, and I, I, you know, I don't think I would have started him for three tests, but he certainly made a difference in this one. I just think you're on, once... You're on mute, Doug. I heard him. Yeah. You've got to look at um, what I put in the WhatsApp group about jobs for the boys. Alan Wynne-Jones has started every test for three, four tours, three or four tours. I think that was, uh, a that, yeah. that was a sentiment pick. He was. He, he, I don't I, think. I actually thought he played even, really well. Even, oh, can't, but Ben, the options that are there outside of Alan Wynne Jones would balance the side more. If you played, you know, Laws and Atoji in the back row, then you can have Ty Byrne or Watson with a bit more dynamism. Alan Wynne-Jones, the South Africans, yeah, he gets around the park and he clears rucks out, but the South Africans aren't worried about Alan Wynne-Jones. No. Same and I just think once, Ken Owens, once, they stick, the once they stick Moster in at six, I think that's, that's your opportunity to go, Christ, they've got a hell of a size of pack here. We need to do yeah. something different. Move, move them laws. about. We need to move shift laws again. In, yeah, move Laws into the row, put Watson and Curry on the back hey. row. It's, it's not their, intent, their intention was clear. The minute they put Moster in a fucking seven shirt, we need to go. Hold on a minute here. Like they, this, this something needs I, to change. You, you would hope that at some point, some journalist worth their salt will actually ask Gatland, "What, what was your thinking?" Why did you think after two tests of being manhandled with the exception of maybe 20 minutes of the second test, why did you think that that plan would work in the third test? Well, I mean, what, what, what were you analyzing and what signs were you seeing in those games to make you think that that game plan was going to work? Because doing it once, I think, I think the first test was a huge, white elephant in that we we probably weren't that good to beat them by that much the second test we got a real slap in and i think maybe get the only thing i can think is that gatlin thought well look occasionally it just doesn't work and you get pumped we stick to what we know and we go into that third test and we do the same thing again we rely on we rely on my boys knowing what they need to do but for, it seems like across the board that everyone's saying the same thing. We needed to move South Africa around. Why weren't we? What What was Gatlin seeing that everybody else is saying should have happened? What especially, is he seeing? Especially and why isn't he coming access. out and saying, this is why we played like that? Especially when he's got access to one of the best attacking backs coaches probably in the world at the moment. One of the best attacking backs coaches and probably the form player in world rugby who was like called up late in Marcus Smith and some of the most electric backs outside of New Zealand in the world. You know, I, I, I think it, I just hope it comes out somewhere why he played like, just explain it because as people who love the Lions and what everything the Lions do, and they only play three tests every four years. 
people are owed that they're owed an explanation as to why you went into a tour like that and why you did it because it's not about warren gatland it's about the rugby public that's what the lions is there for but that's what's that's what's suffered the most throughout this whole tour i think the the this whole situation that's led to no fans being on tour in stadiums it's all it's all felt right from the very start really really difficult to buy into the test matches have made it a little bit easier because it's test rugby but the tour as a whole has been close to pointless it's hard to compare it to New Zealand, isn't it? Because every you felt like every game in New Zealand. Like I remember that we played a President's Eleven, didn't we? The first game off the plane, and they nearly beat us. And then every side we played was a really good game. Whereas with, like I say, we and I don't. Sorry, I'm really sorry because I've joined in late. I don't know if you've already talked about this, but we, we basically got off the plane and we turned up against level six rugby players smashed them all over the park and then the next game we played was essentially a test match against South Africa A. It felt to me like there was no jeopardy in the tour and then all of a sudden it was we were two tests in and it was like shit this actually needs to happen now but I feel like there's been no in previous tours you've almost felt a little bit more like there's a little bit more information going backwards and forwards. You feel like you're a bit more in the know. I feel like this tour has just happened and nobody really, it was like out of sight, out of mind. The fans aren't here. We don't know of anything, you know? Yeah, no one's spent it's, any it's money. It's the Lions, man. Like there, there should be, it, it should, we go through four four years of hating each other and, and not wanting each other to do well and slagging each other off. And then every four years we get together and we're all buddy, buddy. And it feels like it should be bridge building. And this whole tour's just been tearing bridges down and isolation. And Oh, mate, you know, it, like, sorry, you're right. You're exactly right. And, even, and, that, and that extends right out to the way we've been playing rugby, that just nobody understands why we're playing like that. Mate, the amount of shit I've seen on Twitter, like uh, uh, Tom Curry has come in for some absolute dogs abuse because he gave away that one penalty on that driving yeah, when we did a driving mall and it was dead. poor right it was poor and i'm not condoning him for that but on the whole during the three tests i thought i thought he had three really decent games and they were calling you know people specifically welsh people calling him like a penalty machine and oh yeah you know People comparing him to Richie McCraw or maybe Richie McCaw. He isn't fucking fit to lace his boots and all that sort of shit. And he gave that's, away six, he gave away six penalties in three matches. For a seven, for a seven to average two penalties a match, I don't think is that bad. But that's like, the Welsh. That's the Welsh go-to. They want to slag off an English person. It's about how many penalties they give away. That's and like you're right. It's it's turned usually you get to about a month before the test so maybe the 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 squad have come put together for a little bit of a camp they're over there and it doesn't matter whether you're english welsh irish scottish everything kind of comes together in a in a conjoined aim and all throughout the test series oh we're going to oh how are there seven english people in there look what they did in the six nations how come there's this many scottish people and it's like just Fucking get over yourselves. Let's all come together and support the team. But then 
part of that is because it just hasn't felt like a like a um, at all. Well, yeah. Usually, usually by this point, well, not by this point, by the point of the first test, they'll have played say seven games. Some of them will have been half decent opposition, and you've seen, you've sort of picked your own team. Then you've seen who's playing well and who gels together well. But with these games, there was nothing to see. You, you know, Henshaw didn't get a run. Russell hardly got a run. So it was like, what, what am I watching here? You just got to pick it based on reputation almost because you're not seeing what's going on. And I was, I was going to say earlier, I, I thought even the third test till the second half, I thought it was quite flat from both sides. I just didn't think it, you know, if you remember the third test, the decider against New Zealand, it was incredibly tense. But I thought compared to that, it was, you it was know, strangled, really. It was, that, yeah, it was, it, the... it was not, it wasn't so much jeopardy, like Doug said. I didn't think there was that there at all. And I think, you know, there's probably less press there because of COVID and also because of, you know, it's been overshadowed a little bit by the football and then the Olympics. So, you know, perhaps that's stifled the information that Doug mentioned. But yeah, it's, um, I think some of the players will be quite glad to be home as well. I agree. And I think that when Doug, Doug hit the nail on the head, I think for me, like no, no individual player. I mean, probably Stuart Hogg didn't, I don't think did his reputation any favors as, as a fullback in those first two matches, especially under the high ball. Um, but I, no individual players in any of the test matches you could turn around and say had a particularly, particularly bad, bad game. But the accountability should lie with the head coach, with the people picking the side, with the people setting the strategy. And we talk about that coming together, the, the bridge building. Like people are, are always going to go into bat for their own country's players whereas we should be going into bat for the lions and the people that should be being held to account is the people that are setting the strategy and the people like Gatland and um Townsend or the yeah you know we, we it's don't hard, harder Townsend's to see them it. as lions when they've only played one or two games though isn't it yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely and it's just you know I find it I find it really frustrating that an absolute institution that we've all loved growing up and you look forward to and probably every the four thing years. that got most people that watch rugby into rugby mate our our generation like i mean i, I, every, I, I would say everyone of our age 97 probably got that, into rugby watching living with lions yeah is that like we were all 14 15 16 years old you know we would have been playing rugby uh, at junior level, like whatever, but the really sucked you into rugby was that living with Lions, undoubtedly. And that's what's been so difficult for me about this tour is the fact that I've just not, like I've, I've really not been bothered by it. I'm just, you know, I've sat and watched the tests. But other than that, I've, I've, I've barely watched any of it. And that's not right. It's it's not. I don't want to. I don't want to be. For once, I don't want to be really down about it. I still. You're feeling all right. <laughs> well, it's the Lions, man. It's different. 
I'll happily be down about protein or you know Worcester happily. Um, I want to be positive about the Lions, but I feel like the joy has been sucked out of it by social media a little bit, Um, and I don't think uh, you can't you can't um, you can't really judge. How the Lions have been sort of with the fan interaction because we don't know how hard they've had it out there. But it seems like they're very quick to the Lions social media team, that is, are very quick to put out pictures of players hugging after a game with, you know, all the respect and rugby values nonsense. But you know what would also be nice? Little behind the scenes videos and all this kind of stuff that we usually get that we've had none of. Because maybe if we'd seen that the players are having a shit time, we'd actually get behind them, you know, and actually feel like yeah. getting behind these lads is actually the way to to go rather than just pasting everyone because they gave away a penalty in a match that ultimately doesn't mean a lot. But if if um, if uh, the referee had um, sort of uh, what's the word? not giving Yanchis a sort of get-out-of-jail-free card because that was really stupid when he tapped that penalty. Uh, mm. <laughs> unbelievable. And, you know, and he, he's rescued him there. You know, he's done something really daft and the referee's rescued him. We got out of that with a draw, um, which probably would have been a little bit harsh in South Africa because, as Doug says, they, they dominated most of it. But, do you, you know... Think, do you think you'd have a different opinion... And feel differently about the tour had we not lost, because I really don't. I don't think so. South Africa, the South Africa were by far the better team. Yeah, for me. I mean, they're a great. You know, you've got. Um, but they should be great yeah. players. You know, they're t- world champions and eighteen. And they, yeah, and they might not have played for two years, but they've played with each other for the best part of a decade. I mean, Morno Stain and... was playing for South Africa before I was born, so. <laughs> but, yeah, you've got to say, you know, like, Etzabeth was pretty impressive in all all the tests. and He is a fucking whiny little bitch, though, isn't he? Like, you see <laughs> the, amount of, the amount of time that they wasted. The, oh, I saw the... a stat today. Have like, you seen so the ball in play time? 29 minutes, or was it 26 minutes for the final test, wasn't it? Something's got to be done about this. The, the 29 so, minutes of ball in playtime. The games were so, taking two hours. So The, the second the test, first, they were desperate to slow it down, weren't they? And Absolutely the, desperate. So ye- yesterday, there was tw- of 80 minute, of an 80-minute game, the ball was in play for 26 minutes and 22 seconds. Uh, the first test was 30 minutes and 45, and the second test was 30 minutes and 29 the average per game in the Six Nations was 38 minutes and three seconds, and at the Rugby World Cup was 35 minutes and 41 seconds. That was from that, that, you that, and McKenna's That's a wider problem that needs to be addressed among Real. many, many things that rugby needs to address. Yeah, that is yeah, probably yeah. up there with the most important. If How you can have a game last for two hours and only have 26 minutes of it actually matter is unfathomable to me. I don't... How you reconcile that as an organisation or like as a governing body, how you are, how you are okay with that happening is beyond we've, me. We've already, you worry, we've already stated. Sorry, Russ, you, you worry about concussions, 
and 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 injuries and all this stuff. If you've only got to play top flight rugby for 25 minutes, you can be as massive as you fucking want to be. Yeah. There's a reason rugby league players are the size they are because they work their absolute fucking nuts off. Anabolic They're stars. big lads, but they're not they're not prop big, are they? No, they're, they're just athletic yeah. men. They're all Dialende big. Ken, um, Ken Owens ain't going to last 55, the 60 thing. minutes of ball in playtime, is he? No. And and we said this um, like not five minutes ago, right? We were we were bought up. We we bought into rugby and the Lions through that living with Lions through watching rugby of that nature, right? If you were trying to entice people into rugby by what like saying honestly, kids, everybody, the British Lions, this is the absolute pinnacle. This is where it's at. Come and watch these three test matches. They'd be like fucking never watching that ever again. Because it's rubbish. South Africa, right? So I've never seen, I've, I've not seen a team waste so much time in all the time that I've been watching rugby. There was periods of play where Etzebeth was just lying on the floor, looking at the sideline whilst having a chat with a medic and having an ice pack rubbed on his neck. Absolutely no injury whatsoever. But it slowed the game down. It meant that they couldn't do it, have a scrum. It meant that they couldn't have a line out because he was just laying on the floor. And he was looking, they were looking over. They were passing messages between, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not naive enough to know that at every water, at every point that a water carrier or a bloody medic comes on, there isn't some level of communication and message being passed. But this was literally at every opportunity. Did you see the... Um, we're in the uh, towards the second end of the second half when we were down on their line and somebody went over and we were held up just before they gave a, a scrum penalty against Sinclair, and there was a med- there was a medic stroke water carrier that was literally about a yard and a half behind the try line, just almost in the middle of play, and she was there for the scrum as well. At yeah, that I exact got- point. Now, like it, it, it might not. Sorry, Phil. It might not be like. It's not anything to do with it. I'm certain, like, there's no no way that they could have had any influence. But why were they there? Razi Erasmus wearing a water um, carrier bib and carrying water on and passing messages with not without giving any water. That needs to be stopped. That needs to be looked at because that is... Well, it's a loophole that he found, whatever, fair play. But that needs fucking stop in because that was ridiculous and it just it made it it made it almost unwatchable that first half last week of the second test went on for about an hour and five minutes it was horrific i totally agree that the game needs to speed up and we need more ball in play time i'm i'm totally not fussed about the fact that razzy was a water carrier um, it's not a huge amount different from Neil Jenkins taking the tee on in various different lines tours. It's no different from coaches at most levels taking the water on and taking on messages and, and bits of information. Ultimately, we want to see good rugby. Um, the, the, I'm not sure how much he can influence by doing that either. No, I, I, think I just he, don't like I think it. He, I think he What's he saying? Be harder. Yeah. <laughs> Keep doing what you're doing because it's working. Yeah, line speed. Um, the 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 thing from a refereeing perspective that really boils my piss is 
Not not the fact that the scrum halves were putting the ball in at the second row's feet. They were putting the ball straight to the number eight's feet. And it's like And still the... and still losing penalties. Yeah. And what's what's the point? Like the the scrum was pretty poorly refereed at uh at the weekend, but like I'm I'm bored of talking about that kind of stuff. But there is some basic stuff that you just go, Well, that's not right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna penalise you for it. Um, and that doesn't get more ball in play time. But what it does is it gets a bit more competition around things. If you're going to allow them to do that, you may as well just give them a free kick and say, you're not allowed to scrum, have a free kick. I, I, um, I am convinced, right, the way to improve rugby and make it more ball in play and to get, and to get it in a more um, watchable state is to almost abolish scrum penalties unless you are literally marching forward all over them and they drop the scrum like you drop them all then if somebody just collapses or their feet go from under them or they hinge or whatever it's a free kick play from a free kick you don't get the option of another scrum it's a free kick and you go and you play because all that's happening at the moment is referees guess you give a penalty kick it out they walk to the next line out, they get some water, and then we just go around in this scrum penalty line out fucking vortex. And that's why the game is in the st- in, in the state that it's in at the moment. Go on. Even easier way to do it. You just put a shot clock on the on the scrums and penalties. Why 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 are you allowed a minute for a kick? Why? Ninety the seconds. The blown, some... You've got you've got fifteen seconds. From the minute yeah. you put the two on the floor, you've got 15 seconds. So, penalty's blown. You make your decision. If you choose kick, the tee comes on. Tee on the floor, 15 seconds. Scrum, 15 seconds. You need to be ready to go. If not, it's a free kick. Well, I just if think... If you're not as ready soon in as, 15 seconds, it's a penalty. Yeah, as, soon the, as, as soon as the team with the ball is ready and set to go... Then you should be. You should go. That's when it. Like you say, we've been saying seconds. that. We've been. We've been saying that for five years, Russ. As soon as a scrum, well, is, as soon as ones... one pack is formed up, yeah. the clock stops. But I think quicker than what would get more more in play is you just say you've got less time. Why are they allowed to take a, a minute and a half to set up for a scrum? But but that's my well, point uh, around ball in play. Sorry, Phil. Is that they get a scrum penalty, the clock ticks. They then take thirty seconds, forty seconds of that minute that they don't need to kick the ball into touch then they all spend the next minute and a half wandering to the line out and getting in a huddle and discussing what they're going to do at a line out and then they throw the line out in and invariably it leads to another penalty or a knock on or a scrum and then it all just starts again and that's why we don't get any ball in play because every time there's a scrum the clock's running and Somebody gives away a penalty and then it goes in for a line out. So you got you got two issues there, haven't you? You've got ball in play, but you've also got the amount of time it's taken to play a, a half because of the amount of time the the watch has stopped. Now, for me, if if they said if you go down injured, you have to go off until the the next break in play. If you if you have a physio come on to treat you, you're off like in football. You have to leave the pitch, but you can't come back on until the next break in play. I think very quickly you'd find that a lot of these injuries, these people aren't actually injured. Well, simple. Fucking do what they used to do and treat them around the game going on. All the best. 
And if it comes to a scrum, <laughs> and if it's come, and if it comes to a scrum, unless it's a front row forward, fucking fill the gaps, lads. Fill a gap. Back row goes into the second row. Off you pop. Let's go. Let's get the game. That out. should only happen if the referee is is, is forced to say all the best. <laughs> yeah. as he's running past them. <laughs> all the best. ATB. It's it's called yeah. the ATB rule. So the referee <laughs> has to has to jog past the edge of player put and his arms out in a play on motion and shout all <laughs> no, the best. No, he, he has to give the uh, the universal OK symbol to say all the best <laughs> on the way past. <laughs> And the medic, the medic can come on at the point where he says all the best. Yeah. <laughs> and you can hear him on the ref mic and see how many all the best you get during the game. But, but that's, you know, world rugby, if, if world rugby are serious about improving the games, they, they talk about, like you mentioned, they talk about concussions, they talk about player welfare, they talk about the amount of games players have to play. But how much are they actually playing? During a game, and it's proven that in an 80-minute game of rugby, the average at the Six Nations was less than half. So less than half of a 40-minute game they're playing. Yesterday was 26 minutes. And if that you're playing, is embarrassing. And if you're playing at 13, you're only involved for one of those 36 minutes. Yeah. Should we um, stop stop Bitching. whinging and and may, maybe talk a bit about the game again because you were, it sounded like you were having a really good conversation about it until I turned up and ruined it. <laughs> No, no. I just want to say, like, we, you know, I mentioned about Finn Russell um, coming on and, ch- and changing our sort of strategy, kicking, kicking corners. I made it at least five times we were within the five metre line with line outs and came away with no tries. It just shows that, that at that level, you cannot get into those positions and freeze you've got to convert and yeah. south africa given their dues they converted i mean the biggest one was was liam williams yeah like not not springing josh adams i mean to me that that just smelled of somebody thinking oh i can win a series for the lions here yeah it what that wasn't good there we mentioned the tom curry panel i think i don't have a problem with like the, the decision to go for the corner at the end of the first half I, I don't have, I don't really have a problem with it. I, I know I, people I, are going to say, "Oh, yeah," but take the points when the points are on offer. I think at that period of time, you know, it was a bit of a shot. I said this when we were watching it with Phil at the, at the sports center: is that it was a bit of a shot to nothing. We were le- we were leading the match. We were four points up, and it was coming towards half time. And I thought, well, they're not going to go up the other end and score. We can drain the clock enough using the line out to actually either score ourselves or go into the halftime in the lead. And then we still managed to give away a penalty and then Visa should have been carded, yeah. but like what, whatever. I, I, I think once they scored off the first one, they should have then gone back to kicking the goals because, you know, you, you've, you've got your success already there. And then, what was it? Six points you could have had first half and then another three in the second half. So, you know, they, so for me, unless you're 12 points up, I'd, I'd take the penalty every time. Yeah. If you look at the conversion rates for most teams, okay, Exeter pre-2019 was pretty good. But for most teams, you look at the conversion rates from a five-meter scrum, a uh, five-meter line-out, they're crap. They're, they're 10 to 15%. So statistically, it just doesn't, doesn't pay 
if you if you're if you're into money ball, it doesn't pay to to take those kicks uh, to to kick to the corner. You take your points. Okay, if you're twelve points up and you want to put the put the really put the foot on the neck, then fair enough. Or if you're ten points down or eleven points down, so you get it back within a sensible score, fair enough. But yeah, that's just my take. So I I, I said to my dad when Russell came on, kicked to the corner. I said, if we score another try now, it's game over. Like we'll have the confidence. We'll we'll build on it, and um. We we kicked down into the corner, and Finn Russell had been on, and we'd been playing really nice rugby. And I thought, okay, we, you know, this is on now. We won the lineup, and then proceeded to rumble it up for, like one out for six phases, and then got turned over. Well, ironically, it, we it actually just, we lost that line. It just boggles your mind. It's like it's almost like Russell came on and was just told play your game, but the message hadn't got to any of the other players. Yeah. We we lost that line out. If you remember, we lost that right line out, and Bonamy ran behind, and then got turned over for a scrum. So we then had a five meter scrum. It, 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 no, no, this was the one like pretty shortly after. It was just before half time, because I remember right saying, hand side. Yeah, it was when I said I said to Dad like, if we score before half time, this is game over. Yeah. Um, we, and we just we kick to the corner, positive, win the line out, positive. Um, in fact, I think we maybe lost the line out That's and it was not top. Yeah, we, we lost the, the line out and we turned it over and had a five meter scrum and then so went no, one out, one out, one yeah, out. That was the second half. No, no, no. This was at the end of the first half. We turned over the hooker because he ran around the back. Owen scragged him and we turned him over. We had a five meter scrum and then we went one out left, 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 and then got turned over. Who was it that turned the ball out? I think it was uh, Am, wasn't it, that turned the ball over? It was Am or um even though he came he looked like he came from the side, but that's irrelevant. Um it just I didn't I don't get the the mentality of getting into that position through positive intent and then getting to the position where you can possibly score and just curling up inside your own ass. It it, it makes no sense. It's like rule one of trade of training in professional rugby though isn't it like once you get that close the backs only get it if they're going to walk in but we'd had two and a half tests of that not working and you've got a scrum with a massive open side it's like the perfect opportunity for the backs yeah we had 20 minutes of finn russell coming on and going look if you get it outside 12 we're actually pretty good and they're not so why don't we do that you know they've got those massive six for eight men in the middle (laughs) should we try going away from them but no, you get Ken Owens to chuck it up. And you, and you can see, like, Ali Price was getting to the ball and he wanted to pick it up. And then he was almost getting pushed out of the way by Ken Owens or Win Jones or, you know, Maro Toje. And they were just trucking it up and just getting stopped dead. And you were just, and you were waiting. With every consecutive ruck, you were just waiting. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. If we don't spin it, it's going to happen. And sure enough, it happened. And that happened three or four times during the game. And, Look, we need you. You need to score in those positions, and if you don't, you lose games by fine margins. And you, I, you can blame you I, can blame Tom Curry, but that's not that's I wouldn't not have minded the reason we lost that game is. I wouldn't have minded if instead of going one out, they went a couple of a couple out, took it to the posts, and then gave it to the backs on a switch, coming back the other way. But it was that they went totally into what? that. 
forward you, tunnel vision mo- do you uh, remember mentality. There was a Wales Autumn International when they were playing Australia and Australia went down to, I think, 13 men. And, Aust- and Wales had the ball on the five-metre line and went about 12 phases, one out, with a two-man advantage and got turned over and didn't score and lost the game. Gatlin ball. Yeah. It reminds wasn't that me... the quarter-final? World Cup quarter-final, wasn't it? Oh, potentially it was, yeah. It, yeah. Remi- it reminded me... Three or four years ago in the European Cup, Ex- Exeter played Leinster. Not the season just gone. But it was two or three years ago. And Exeter tried to play their normal game. That kick to the corner, go through, go through, go through against Leinster. And Leinster just went, nah, we're too good for this. This may work in the Premiership, but we are basically an international rugby team that isn't working. And they just and Exeter kept doing it and doing it and and they did they got no joy. I don't know if you remember that match. It was at Sandy Park. Yeah, and they just, I was there. Yeah, and they just the thou shall not pass. And that was like it was on Saturday. In fact, it's like it's been throughout the whole series. And when you look at it, the Lions scored two tries in the three test matches. LCD in the first test and. Um, Ken Owens in the last, both from the back of a, a line out and, and driving more. Other than that, other than that, we didn't really look like scoring a try. I, I, you know, no, I, 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 I might be wrong, but we didn't. So how can you how can you expect to win rugby matches in the main without showing any real attacking intent? And again, we had this discussion in the autumn. England got very lucky. You know, Johnny when Johnny May scored that um, 90-yard try against Ireland at Twickenham, uh, other than that, we just kicked the ball. We kicked the ball against Italy. We kicked the ball against Georgia. We just kicked the ball against France fucking paraplegics um, <laughs> because we were playing against their fourth team because all of their other team were, were, not, were not there and we nearly lost. And, you know... You've got to have, you've got to have a couple of ways of playing. And South Africa, whilst they went to that well a lot, the the high kicks, the high kicks, they showed when they got ball in hand, and when they had the opportunity, they were ruthless and they took it. They only had one chance on Saturday. They had one chance. They had the two, they had a, a three on two and a two on one, and went bang bang. Lions missed a couple of tackles. Away you go. Lions had the same type of chance. Fucked it up. And that's the difference. And the Lions the, the Lions didn't the, the Lions didn't deserve really to win the series. They didn't deserve, you know, you could argue for that second half of the first test and the first half of the second test, they were probably on top. And then Saturday, the first half was about even, but that twenty minute there was a twenty minute passage in the in the second half yesterday, where the action areas were something like ninety six percent in the Lions half and and twenty two, and like it it was ridiculous. They 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 had no ball for about twenty minutes. South Africa just kept it, and it just they they could not do anything about it. And let's not forget, you know, we talk about kicking our penalties. Pollard missed a couple of very kickable penalties himself, didn't he? 
you know. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's kind of six and two threes that whole the whole penalty thing. I get why you would say that you would support taking taking the points when they're on offer, but I don't think it had a massive impact on the outcome of the game. So is this the point in the pod where we pick our team for 2026? <laughs> 25? 25. I could not think of anything worse. I what I would I what I would want to know is that, like with all the sort of negativity surrounding this tour, like what what do you think they could do to get your love back for the next one? Get Ronan Agar involved. I'd like to see a coaching team of Townsend Ogara. That'd be good. Townsend yeah. head coach, Vesti. maybe. But, uh, yeah, well, I mean, I know he, he does, he's done great work with Northampton. He, he was at Worcester first as well, wasn't he? He went Worcester and then Northampton. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's done good work. You know, think, what I'd like, think, you know what I'd like to see? Sorry, Doug. I'd like to see a, a real group of tennis. younger, younger, <laughs> yeah, in a city sumo. If you don't buy it, Sky <laughs> well, I was going to say, if you don't buy it, Sky will, but Sky probably won't. Um, I'd like to see, rather than someone like Warren Gatland or Eddie Jones or one of these archaic type coaches who have been around for a long, long time, I'd like to see a group of young, dynamic international coaches because I think Ogara will be an international coach by then. I think he's grooming himself um, to take over and he'll probably end up taking over from Andy Farrell. So we could probably see Ogara as line um as Ireland head coach ahead of the next Lions tour anyway. And I'd like to see those Townsend and O'Gara and AN other. Like like you say, maybe Sam Vesti, maybe I don't know who will you know, there might be somebody like a a, a bolter coach that that comes to the fore between now and then. But I'd like to see us do something different. Like I don't want Warren Gatland or Eddie Jones or you know, just some old dude who has been around the rugby a really long time and thinks that his way is the only way it should be played. I just think a, a more dynamic group of coaches could be the way forward. Yeah, I was going to say, Australia is the tour to do that if the current trend continues, right? Because, well, they're shit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really I don't really care who the coaches is, but I'd like them to play at some stage during the tour, Fiji, Samoa and Tonga. Yeah. I'd rather that than I'd the fucking Melbourne Rebels. And and if there's if there's some way that the money can go to Fiji, Samoa and Tonga, so much the better. Never happened. Yeah, it would be... I think this tour, if it's shown anything, it's that a rethink is needed. And taking the Lions to places almost as a a slightly more professional barbarians would would be welcome. I, I don't see why you couldn't tour if you're going to Australia. You why you couldn't stop at Japan. You couldn't stop in Fiji. Um, I think Australia. Some, some of the issues that are with that have been highlighted aren't just lion specific issues are they they're rugby issues so you know box kicking and time wasting and um people being dicks on social media it's not just the lions that suffer from that the whole of rugby suffering from it 
Um, you know, I, I, I unfollowed as many rugby related accounts as I could the other night because I just had enough of it. Oh, mate, I've blocked so many. It's almost a joke. My, my timeline, Twitter timeline now is almost completely devoid of rugby. <laughs> just because anyone that, anyone that's even just so many blocks. <laughs> Wow. So there, well, there we go. Like that's that's the end of another Lions like grave, my block list. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, yeah. That I mean, that's that's left me feeling like the uh, the end of the Lions tour. <laughs> Seriously deflated. Um, so yeah. Um, but better news, the players, like, so the players coming back, they were having to quarantine. I think they've got quarantine in Jersey, I believe. They've got to go to Jersey on the way back and stay there for 10 days. But you've got people like Johnny Hill. There's a load of players out there that won't have played any rugby for three weeks, but they've still got to come back. And if they, am I right in thinking they've got to have like 12 clear weeks rugby free or something? There's got to be, I don't know whether it's 12 weeks, but there is a certain gap. I heard 10. They're not allowed to play for at all. Like even maybe, maybe they'll do a Australian sevens team on the way back. I mean <laughs> that that was awesome, wasn't it? And they've all got to go to counselling. Fucking hell. Um, but like, so in a straight jacket, isn't he? Yeah. So there's so there's there's people like players there that won't have played for three weeks. The Premiership kicks off on the the seventeenth of September. And there's going to be a load of those players that, that can't be involved for, for quite some time. So, you know, it's it seems almost nonsensical considering the fact that there's a lot of them that, that won't have played a game for three or four weeks. But, you know, player welfare, isn't it? Just having a nice little holiday. Yep. And then, isn't that uh, entirely what the Lions is anyway? Well, just the ultimate stash grab, isn't it? Stash grab, stag do, extended for a game of rugby for 23 people every other Saturday. But yeah, yeah so the premiership, the premiership is starting again on the 17th of September. Um, news today, a bit obviously BT Sport. It'll all be uh, it'll all be on BT Sport, and then the news today: Will Greenwood is leaving Sky. No more rugby cut. No more rugby for Will Greenwood on Sky, um, which is which is interesting. Wonder where if if and where he'll pop up next. I yeah, I wouldn't be too surprised if he pops up. Um, Cocoms on some Premiership stuff, maybe sometime soon. You never know. You never know. If if we keep quiet, does Doug say more? No. <laughs> he did, he Look, did, I don't, he know, for, probably, I don't probably... know for a fact. All I know is that there is a, a new game in town filming and producing the content um, that BT doesn't in the Premiership. And I don't know how their relationships stand with their old commentators or how they might go about producing the content for next season. But it's going to be slightly different to this Season just gone, so if they're looking for commentators, uh, you know, sorry, I'll, if they're looking for commentators, I'll I'll do it for absolutely free. <laughs> a 
uh, Sam Roberts will fight you for it. <laughs> um, yeah, it could be an in, uh, interesting season. You might see some uh, some sort of changes in the coverage, maybe, potentially. Yeah. Who knows? It'd be, inter- be interesting. Like, I think BT Sport, have, you know, they've had it for... They've had it quite good for a long time. Obviously, they they paid a lot of money for it or whatever. But you know, there's got to be a better way of of showing the Premiership and showcasing the Premiership. You know, well, it's just, it's just another rugby admin thing, isn't it? Like, why why would um, why would you want the most amount of people to see every Premiership game when you can have a third of that, that amount of people watching some of the games? Yeah. Why not? Why not show? Um, reruns of NASCAR rather than some live sport or well, uh... just 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 for argument's sake the first three weeks of the season there are three Saturday three o'clock kickoffs on each each one so if you own Sale Worcester or Northampton for argument's sake Rather than having everyone who's interested in rugby watching your game, you're narrowing your audience down to by two thirds. Yeah, at home because of your refusal to shift your fixture from three o'clock. It's is bananas. And I don't and, understand it. And with obviously with with crowds in the stadiums, which is going to be amazing to have people back in the grounds again, right? Like it's been really good to see the championship football and the, you know, the stuff that's been back over this weekend, um, full stadiums and all that sort of stuff, which has been great. Um, it just, it baffles me that when you've only got six fixtures to schedule, if you scheduled them all like every week. So there is a slot, there's a Friday night slot, prime time. There is a two o'clock, a four o'clock and a six o'clock Saturday slot for the people that are playing their own club games. And there is also then a three o'clock and a five o'clock on a Sunday slot. You can arrange your your rest days like clubs. Clubs have got some pretty decent admin people, I'd imagine, that can schedule the training and they can set it all up and they can do it. And it wouldn't matter if you played on a Sunday, you know, on a Sunday at five o'clock one week and then you were away at sale on the on the following Friday, because eventually it would all kind of work its way around. Wouldn't it? Like the short there would be a short week. I don't don't understand. For all their talk of wanting new people to come in and watch the reluctance to shift away from Saturday three o'clock kickoffs I don't I don't understand that if if COVID taught us nothing as far as viewing sport on television or broadcasting goes is that you know making it more accessible like the Premier League like having not really having Premier League games clashes or if there is a clash of the time put it on two channels you know yeah. so what yeah it it just it, it beggars belief but you know again that's not that's something that we can't control i mean and bearing in mind we can control the square root of fuck all so you know we're we're not really in a position to to make any suggestions anywhere are we we're just normal fans normal people with big ideas and small bedrooms and, and uh, mediocre penises. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Speak for yourself. 
Oh yeah, yours. I'd, kill, I'd kill. I'd, I'd kill. You've for mediocre. That that sound. I don't know if you could hear it. Was the sound of five thousand housewives knicker elastic snapping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's, Phil it's, it's like, me, like Phil said, he <laughs> killed elastic. Got the same girth as me. <laughs> incredible right i mean we've we've gone on we've gone on for long enough i think for for one podcast considering we've been Can't away for a little we while should have done this after every test but there you go oh we, we probably should have done but we're lazy and now it is do it in four years set your we, watch to it we'll do all three tests in four years yeah and i mean to a certain we'll, extent we'll finish it, the main season in march to allow us to prepare yeah. <laughs> also, we're now on the 8th of August. The Premiership doesn't start till the 17th of September. So uh, I wouldn't get your hopes up and too much content between now and then. But we, we might get together and do some punching chat or, uh, you know, oh, get, Super get Six some stuff. Super Six? Is that the, is that the new... Um... It's quietly gone under the radar down here, but the, the Scottish uh, Rugby Union have set up a franchise-based semi-professional league. Um, it might even be eight teams, but uh, if that goes well, who knows what'll happen to the Pro 14? Because Glasgow and Edinburgh are shit in the bed at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, well, the Pro 14 is worse than Gash, I think is probably the best way to describe it. So, uh, let's see. I mean, if 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 it can make a competitive league, I, I, I'm all for competitive leagues, so. If it if it makes it competitive in Scotland, then you know I'm all for it, I'm, and then hopefully all the Welsh franchises will just disappear, along with yeah. Wales. Yeah, I think I'm going to support. <laughs> I think I'm going to support the Ayrshire Bulls. Is that what they? Who, 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 who are the teams, Ben? Maybe, they, maybe their badge should be Mayflower. <laughs> what what are the teams, Ben? Uh, Ayrshire Bulls aren't that impressive, are they? Really, Phil? But. Anyway, no, um, no, they're not. They're, they're like a poor Holstein. Yeah. So from the top, you've got Southern Knights. Where are they based? England. Southern. <laughs> Berwick. <laughs> um, then you've got um, Ayrshire Bulls, Boroughmere Bears, Stirling County. What's a Boroughmere? Boroughmere. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, um, and then you've got Harriets and Watsonians, which are like old school Scottish clubs, aren't they? Yeah, they are. They are literally old school, as in uh, originally were the old boys from those two schools. Well, when you you were up there, weren't you, Phil? Yeah. You were a Scot- where's, time where's, where's Boroughmere? Yeah. Boroughmere, that's. Uh, um, I want to just say it's Edinburgh in the borders. I do, I'm literally at No, Edinburgh. no, I tell a lie. It's in it, it is in, in Edinburgh. But again, it's another one of the uh the school teams. So Harriet's, Watsonians and Boromir, they're all um effectively school old boys teams originally. From oh. the th- from the three posh schools in Edinburgh. Apparently you can watch these games live on Free Sport. Well, there you go. Funny from free sport. Wow. Right. Imagine making it free sport. Next week, let's let's watch a Super Six game. And uh, it might be great rugby because it's not professional. So it might actually be fun. All right. Let's do that. Let's commit to doing that. And we'll talk about some Super Six next week. Not that anybody would be interested, but we'll do it. Right. Um, round one now. What I will say uh, is some exciting news for the Mallover Invitational. We've secured ourselves a sponsor. 
Um, which is incredible news. You never actually told us who that was. Uh, so I, I can't reveal who it is just yet. I don't think. Um, so okay. I won't. But they uh, they are kind enough to donate uh, some money to assist us in purchasing some playing jerseys that we will uh, obviously have their sponsor on and we will then uh, auction those off or sell them to the people that are playing in the Mallover Invitational match on the 9th of October. Uh, good friend George Ferris has sorted us out some opposition. So we've got some opposition. I was recruiting and canvassing yesterday at the, at the Hornets for people that weren't already playing. So we should have a, a big squad for the day. Um, more people means less minutes, which is superb. Um, and I'll be I'll be having a meeting with the guys at, at, at Wax and the, and the, at the bar to make sure that they're fully stocked up, and we'll just have a real good, you know, half hour each way, and then get bang on it. What do we mean by half an hour each way? That's not all right. Ball ball in play time. All oh, right, okay. Half an hour each way of ball in play. And then yeah, we'll have a we'll have a great time. So, all for rugby against cancer. If you're interested in playing, get yourself to Newquay for uh, the 9th of October. If you need to know where to stay, then let me know. I'll try and hook you up with some uh, local uh, establishments, bed and breakfasts, and hotels, etc. Let me know. Um, and yeah, we're looking forward to it. We're looking forward to seeing you all and, and meeting you all, and you know, having a having a decent old time. So. That is good news. More details to come as as we have them on that. But yeah, how good's that? We can we can actually get a unique playing strip. So I'm talking gonna... of playing strips, I'm just looking at these sub these Super Six games. We've got a quarters alert. Green and blue quarters for uh, one of the teams. There's a uh, tricolored hoops for another. Some some very emotional kits going on. I'm 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 in on this league. I'm watching it. Mate, they, those green and blue quarters are phenomenal. Yeah, I might even look in and get one of them. Love that. Love that. Um, Ayrshire, actually, of uh, they, they've always had. I think I've seen their kits before. They play in pink and black. They, they've ooh. they've got some uh, some nice kits going on here. So oh, I've yeah, just seen a phenomenal a phenomenal try by Watsonians. So, right, boys, we've got our new league. Let's fuck the Premiership off and watch this. Okay, just loads um, of ginger men running around <laughs> in nice design, design team. Ben and Ben and Doug are in charge of kit design, so uh, you guys need to to get on that, and we'll uh, and we'll see you all on the 9th of October. Uh, before we go, do we have any other business related to non rugby things, Ben? Just, I really enjoyed the Olympics. I thought it was brilliant. Well into BMX now. BMX and dressage and show jumping. Interesting. It's not for me. BMX is not for me. I like the, I like oh. the race. The race. <laughs> I mean, literally because you'd break them. There is, there is not a carbon <laughs> nanotube that would stand up to you going over a burpee. Mate, I, like, love, um, I, love, I love a little bit like Donkey on Kong. <laughs> in Mario Kart, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I was more than 
willing to give all the sports a chance and I thought um, skateboarding was really dull. But the BMX was brilliant. Which bit bit of the skateboarding was dull? the, The bit where it was blokes dressed like they were going out in the 1990s <laughs> tripping over railings i thought that was pretty yeah dull. so they they had two didn't they they had the uh, i don't even know yeah, what they the, were but basically the one, the, they had a, a best trick one and then they had do as much as you can for 45 seconds in a in a in a park um and the first one you're right was dull the second one i i quite enjoy but I the, the most important thing- one for me was speed climbing I don't. I don't understand why that's a sport. Uh, climbing's meant to be hard. What What I'd like. What I'd like more was if they had to like run like fifty meters first, being chased by a really angry Doberman. <laughs> <laughs> then or then get up the wall. Now he get off my land. Yeah, climbing <laughs> climbing for dollars. <laughs> remember from the running man. <laughs> yeah. The Olympics was good. Yeah, there was there was some there was some uh, some impressive stuff. Oh, and I went on my flight. Oh yeah, you went in a flight in like a like a tiger moth or something of similar, yeah. didn't you? Yeah, it was like it was like a nineteen forties version of um, the thing that takes you to the silly Isles. <laughs> but um, well, that's but... a niche gag. Yeah, you know, yeah, Andrew like a little Stevens will get that one. Yeah, the sop with camel. Yeah, like a little, you know, you get to make room for the rear gunner and that. But yeah, they, that was a, it was a Is good that flight. euphemism? Yeah. Um, and uh, and uh, yeah, it was an awesome, awesome day. So. Excellent. Well, I did mention at the start of the podcast before you joined that both um, Ben and Phil have joined you in the 40 club, Doug. Yeah. Um, they both got presents though, right? Yeah. We have indeed. <laughs> yeah. They're lovely. No comment. Like uh, you know, I, I don't, you're so fucking bitter about that, like, and I'm squirming <laughs> like fuck, and I can't. I got. I got nothing. Got nothing, mate. Got nothing. Um, when did when did you turn forty, Doug? Uh, two two years ago. I mean, okay. we weren't that friendly two years ago. Two years ago we'll we? we'll we get still... you. No, we were we'll only get... four years into a podcast. We'll get you. <laughs> we'll get your 2019 lion shirt made up. Didn't didn't we do? What was that? Didn't we do? Were we doing this podcast during the Australia tour? No, uh, New Z- the no, New Zealand tour New was Zealand our tour. first, our first Lions experience. But it, we must have been doing it for a couple of years before then, right? Yeah, it was 2050, yeah. uh, 2016, I think we started. Yeah. Because so it was recently our five year anniversary. We've been it? podcasting weekly for five years. Yeah. Unbelievable. Still no present. Still I mean, <laughs> I, I would have, I would have, I would have bought you one, but you, you bought yourself one now, so. Yeah. Um, well, that, thanks that's for the anyway, business, that's... actually. Go on, then. Um, well, Canterbury blocked me, so they've we've gone full circle on our relationship because they used to send me free shit, and now <laughs> I can't send them any shit. So. Um, Why did they block you? Because I criticised the fact that they released three versions of the same shirt. At ludicrously large intervals so that every time they released another shirt you thought that was the actual shirt so ben's modeling the the cheap one um which fits nicely they then released the match jersey which has all the trim that 
everyone else has. And then they released, released a limited edition one. Now, I was given by the lovely Mrs. Lensman a match jersey, which um, she bought in a medium because, you know, most of my rugby shirts are medium. Turns out medium comes roughly to my belly button. Uh, and um, was quite snug. So that was sent back. Now, when it was sent back, we waited for a couple of weeks and then Lizzie chased it up and it turned out that um, Canterbury don't do exchanges and that they just issued her a refund for, for the shirt. So this is a week maybe before the last test. So the jersey that I got specifically for the for the test series i was not going to have one before the final test so anyway canterbury fucked up on that they fucked up on the fact that they've released three jerseys they fucked up on the fact that the cheapest jersey was 75 quid the one i got is 130 pounds which is the limited edition one and the only difference between that that i can see between that and the the, the sort of match jersey is a little patch on the arm with the castle lager series and a limited edition number on the sleeve the most depressing thing about this jersey is the fact that I've got an extra large which fits me both lengthways and sleeve length. But unfortunately, I don't know what the muscle is that goes sort of from the middle of your back up to your shoulder. The one that makes you look like is that, a your tra- is that your trap? Traps, maybe. Apparently, rugby players have very big traps because there's a big bit of that shirt that doesn't have anything in it on me, <laughs> <laughs> which is massively depressing. But um, it's not your traps. What is it? What is it? Deltoids. The traps are the ones. These are your traps up right. on top. Well, whatever it is, I haven't got them. Um, Lats. No. I don't know. I. Oh, who cares? Who cares? It's a nice jersey, but in terms of uh, Lions jersey history, I think it's probably in my bottom two or three. Um, the uh, the 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 worst one being that one with the giant NTL logo on it. Oh, that was too far. I don't know if you noticed, like they've never had a sponsor then that hasn't been monochrome. So all the sponsors now are white on the red. Was that, was that 2001? That NTL. Yeah, one? I had that one because yeah. it was a nice jersey. Other than that, yeah. Um, I just think they've been disgusting. What they've done, ripping the fans off with three different jerseys just release one call it the fans jersey but make it look like the actual test jersey you know it's not that difficult to do it's just it's just a bit of a piss take canterbury are shysters man let's get rid of them and uh let's get macron making the kits because they've actually released a good new northampton one so um i think macron maybe for the next line shirt there you go stash watch over stash watch phil any other business uh no and i don't think i've got anything either gotta be honest other than uh it's nice to be back nice to be chatting to uh to you gentlemen again about rugby and other stuff and uh hopefully we won't leave it as long next time and we'll be back very soon um with that in mind i will speak to you all soon go well
Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.